Take your holiday as seriously as British Airways Holidays takes your holiday. So ditch your desk, set your out-of-office on, and unwind on the white sandy beaches of the Dominican Republic. With an all-inclusive, family-friendly break at the Grand Palladium Palace Resort and Spa. Or luxurious adult-only getaway at the TRS Turquesa Hotel. Book now with a low deposit at ba.com slash palladium. T's and C's apply at all protected. NASA 557, contact tower 128.15. Caution, caution. Manual, fuel, manual, fuel. I'm John Golia. I'm Greg Fife. And I'm Todd Curtis. And we are the Flight Safety Detectives. Between us, we have over a century of aviation accident investigation and safety experience to draw on as we discuss issues that affect all of us. So we are qualified to share our perspectives on accidents and incidents and what can be learned from them for the future. We're proud to say that we have two sponsors that really relate to the topic of aviation safety the Professional Aviation Maintenance Association, or PAMA, and Avemco Insurance. Later on in the show, we'll tell you how you can get a 5% discount on your insurance just for listening to the show. We don't just dissect the official reports. In every episode, we identify safety issues and take the mystery out of accident investigations. So maybe pilots in their planes can have safer flights ahead. Well, hello. It is another episode of Flight Safety Detectives, except this is your unusual setting for this particular episode because we are in Atlanta, Georgia at the Maintenance, Repair, and Overhaul Conference or Symposium or Get Together, however you want to call it. You can see it behind us where there are a thousand plus vendors here in aviation displaying their wares and their services. But associated with this MRO conference is our friend John Golia, one of the flight safety detectives, and his skills competition for maintenance folks. And I'm going to let John talk about it, but again, this is a great venue for this type of operation and, of course, conference, but it's really the skills competition because this is the maintenance Olympics, if you will, for a variety of different teams from all over the world, and this has grown substantially over the past 20 plus years, starting at about five teams and now up over 85 teams. So with that, my friend, it's good to have you. And I know that you're taking time out from being not only the grand poobah of the skills competition, but uh, of course you are a well-known face around here. You are the godfather, if you will, of, uh, of the maintenance and the skills competition, just having spent the last day with you and seeing the enthusiasm uh, you got to be happy, not only with the turnout, but the way things are going today. I'm very, very pleased. The, co the competition itself has gone very well, uh, really smooth, and uh, we have 80-odd uh, teams, five-person team. There's about 800 people here, maintenance people associated with the, with the, the competition plus. Uh, we have, it's a volunteer-run organization, so all the judges and all the people you see out there are not getting paid by us. Uh, it's all volunteer-run. It's really a labor of love for all of the 
the old gray hair mechanics that are out here uh, giving back to the industry and, and to the young people. And one of the things that we're very proud of and, and has been very successful is a great number of the students that are here competing will leave here with jobs. Wow, that's that's awesome. So United Airlines, American Airlines, Delta Airlines, they're competing very heavily right here uh, for some of, the, some of these mechanics that are out here on the floor. And let me tell you, the quality of these mechanics I see out there, I mean, I, I shake my head because they are unbelievably good. And, and some of them had to really uh, jump through hoops to be here because many of the schools run a competition just to make up their team. Hmm. So th these folks that are here from the schools are really the best of the best. And, and so much so that United Airlines does a, uh, a, a, a test for pre-employment, for hiring, and they have waived it for every one of the students that competes. Wow, that's awesome. And I know that the military is represented here as well. From around the world, yes. Not just the U.S., a big contingency from Canada, and, uh, and some of the U.S. teams have come from uh, foreign countries. And I know that uh, I've made some new friends today and yesterday with uh, with the boys from Australia. They've got a they've got a good team together as well. They have they come often, and it's really uh, very very expensive for them to come to the U.S. But they try to come every single year. And another one of our flight safety detectives, Todd Curtis. You are involved with uh, with the competition. You're proctoring the human factors portion. And it's like, well, what does human factors have to do with this maintenance? You go in, you turn a wrench, you squirt a bottle, you know, you, you examine a, a dent in a wing. What about the human factors? What, what are you looking for in your portion of the competition? Well, my portion of the competition is strictly uh, dealing with how well they understand one of the basic chapters that the FAA has in one of their manuals about the human, human factors. And it covers a wide range of things, from how people behave in groups to what kind of... Uh, oversights could lead to errors. And this, this happens in maintenance, it happens in the flying part of aviation, it happens in air traffic control. And the FAA, whether you like the, uh, the uh, chapter or not, they have studied this from many aspects of aviation. And this is one of the things that a maintenance professional is going to be dealing with. And this is a formalized way of understanding whether or not they understand the basics of it. And we've, and we've talked about these things on previous shows when we're dissecting accidents and yes. we're talking about the human factors because it's usually coming down to the human and their interaction, whether you fly it, fix it, or manage it, it's their respective interaction with the machine. And, and human factors in maintenance is a big issue because what happens in the cockpit happens on the hangar floor where you have fatigue, you have overconfidence, you have distraction, you have all of those things that we always uh, look at from a piloting perspective also happens on the shop floor. And, and yes, and then add in working nights, working out in the weather, because not, not every airplane is fixed inside a hangar. So you add in some additional elements to it and it can get to be quite challenging. So with the competition, what are some of the, the real competitive areas? Um, if, uh, if our audience was here, they'd hear a lot of cheerleading going on by other team members and support folks from these respective teams. They're like cheerleaders out there, and there's a lot of hooting and hollering going on. So what are the real competitive areas uh, of the competition? Well, the, the, the you know, we have 26 different testing areas in this, this particular year. And 
that some of them are only one or two person events, so the other team members can be there cheering them on, not helping them do the event, but just cheering them on and, uh, and vocalizing. And sometimes you'll hear the noise and it will be distracting to the other team because mm -hmm. they're running head to head against another team usually. And, you know, so it's, they're trying to beat the clock, but we're measuring not just the clock. We measure on how well they follow procedures, not only what's in the maintenance manual for the airplane, procedures for the tooling that they're using, procedures for safety. They get gigged on all of that if they don't follow the right steps and the right process. And that's the way it's supposed to work in the real world with maintenance. And we're just bringing that to the forefront to the students. Because quite frankly, many people from my generation in maintenance uh, have deviated from that. They call it drift, practical drift. And, and uh, many of my, my peers at my age level have drifted from that uh, process. <laughs> You've <laughs> drifted from that a long time ago, my friend. <laughs> you know, the yelling and screaming and all the enthusiasm is not a real distraction in a sense of, this is a big show floor. MRO America spreads over a very large convention center. And we often get people from the other side of the convention of the convention center coming over to check out what's all the excitement about and once they get there even if they're not in a maintenance oriented organization they're really intrigued by what we have going on we've had people come up to us and say hey you know how can we be involved so this is a sort of a marketing for the uh, aviation maintenance profession and also for other companies to understand the role that it plays and the role they can play in pushing it forward and I know that you have a lot of sponsors, big name sponsors, because this has grown at such a rate. And of course, the enthusiasm and uh, and the professionalism of of this competition. Um, you you talked about it earlier, and that is the people that compete, especially the students, are now the top of the top, cream of the crop. That the airlines are hiring these folks uh, because they know what their skill base is without really an interview. That's right. All, you, all I have to do is walk around out there, out there and look. And in fact, I stood next to a, a vice president from an airline in uh, not this taste, uh, a previous competition. And I'm standing there and I told him, I said, take a look at this girl over here in front of us on the right-hand side. And we stood there for a couple of minutes looking at her. And then he waved his hand. And he called one of his people over. His, and, he, and he said to the, the person that came over, see that girl? Go hire her. And she was hired. I saw her here today. That's awesome. So. And and you, you you bring up women, women in aviation. This is this is women in the dirty side of aviation because it's really under the wing, if you will, maintenance. But there are a lot of women that I've seen in this competition, and they are enthusiastic, they're skillful, and they really love what they're doing, turning a wrench. They do, they do. And we have about seventy women here. Uh, competing and we have probably that much more uh, here supporting the teams and involved with the process so yes it's definitely been a, a, a game changer for women in aviation it's wonderful that's awesome and I know that you've been not only doing the human factors element but you've gotten to interact with a lot of the folks since they are coming through your station give us an idea of the quality of people that you've talked to uh, that are that are really part of this competition right now. Well, the professionals who are in the airlines, of course, they've demonstrated their capabilities and their professionalism, and they are amongst the best in that company. That's why they're here. But what I'm really interested in are the various schools. There are a lot of uh, two- and four-year colleges that have maintenance uh, 
uh, curricula, which at the end of this, they can have their uh, A&P license, their uh, airframe and power plant cert certification from the FAA, which is an absolute requirement to be in the civilian side of aviation. And the quality of the people coming through there, these are folks who are obviously motivated. They're good at what they do. They're not afraid of being around uh, large machines and sharp blades and everything else. It goes to the men and the women. And they're very, very enthousi enthusiastic about what they're doing. They see their future because they see the professionals that are out there. They see that they're not alone because you have folks from all over the country coming together. And they're all after the same uh, pursuit of the same, same goals, one of which is being certified, the other of which is being part of aviation. So for many, this is the first entry into a lifetime of a career where they're going to be seeing these people again and again throughout their years. Now, with this competition, John, given the fact that you have a, a very uh, large demographic in age where, you know, you have the student caliber all the way through the old season gray hairs, as you were talking about, with the FAA and the shortage of, of FAA, POIs, PMIs, um, is the FAA here going, you know what? He looks like or she looks like an older guy that may be getting uh, to the point where they're going to retire pretty soon. They'd be a good PMI for us. Yeah, the FAA is not here. They've not been here ever since uh, we've been running the, the competition at MRO. They're just not here. They are in the building uh, because there's some tutorials going on in the building, but they don't come down to the competition. I think that would be, you know, a great plug for them to to be, you know, picking some of these quality mechanics, you know, as a PMI, because we definitely need that quality for the oversight portion of their responsibility. They should be promoting at least, if you, you know, most ASIs, uh, aviation safety inspectors, don't have hiring authority, but they could be here promoting people, re referencing them to the website, USA uh, Jobs, and trying to get the people to apply, quality people to apply. But I have not seen any of that in all the years we've been doing this. And, and then, Todd, with, uh, again, you know, you're getting that interaction. You, you know, you're talking to the young people. You're talking to the old heads and, and that kind of stuff. Is there anything that impresses you with, uh, with the people that you've talked to, especially the younger generation? Because one of the things that uh, we were talking about yesterday is the demographic. When you look at all the people that are walking through this hall, and there's thousands of vendors down here, the demographic, of course, is older. And we don't see a lot of young faces, which I would love to see, because they need to not only see you know, what opportunities are there, but if they watch this competition, that in and of itself, I think, would give them the opportunity you know, to be competitive and really want to get involved and actually see aviation maintenance as a career path. Well, one of the things that uh, surprised me in the years I've been coming to this competition, working with John, I think it was 2015 was the first time I was at one of these, is that aviation maintenance is such a, an in-demand profession that many of these young people don't end up in aviation. There are other industries that recognize just how good they have to be to be at this level and who hire them out. Sometimes entire classes of graduates from these programs end up going, for example, to the space business, which is not a bad way to go. But still, these are a set of skills that are absolutely essential for aviation, but are in demand across the board in, in factories, automation, etc. So the fact that this level of career opportunity exists 
four people like this is the most surprising thing for, for me. Unlike going to, let's say, a four institution, which I'm for, I went to one of them myself, where the likelihood of getting something out of college that's going to pay the bills and pay whatever debt you have, there are a lot of folks coming out of here after two years who don't have the huge debt and have the opportunity to make a start at a significant salary right off the bat. And one of the things that we talked about earlier today um, is now you guys have been approached um, to incorporate aerospace, that is space flight, because now with commercial space flight, just like commercial uh, aviation, that's going to be a big segment going forward. Are we going to add this to the competition? Right. We have one one area that we that the space folks came to us and we have incorporated, and that's ha ha uh, handling hazardous fluids. So if you if you go down there, you're going to see where they have to suit up in protective clothing and face masks and, and gloves and that are very bulky to simulate a spacesuit, and they have to do precision transfer of fluids, We're talking about measuring down below an ounce in quantity and having big bulky gloves on in, in a suit that restricts your movement uh, can be quite a challenge, and that's the whole point. That's, they have to get it done within a fixed period of time, and it has to be accurate at the end. And uh, it, it is quite a challenge. I looked at it without the suit. I had trouble. I said, I'm not putting the suit on. I'm not going to embarrass myself with this one. I, I already know it's a challenge. <laughs> but space is, is, the, uh, is the next uh, big factor in this right. particular competition. And it'll be interesting to see now because we don't have a lot of different space organizations. You got, of course... Uh, Blue Origin, and you have uh, SpaceX, and you got Sierra Nevada. Uh, Virgin basically just gave it up, but uh, they still have a part to play in all of this. So, with that narrow competition, does it, that does that bring better competition? Uh, it, it it has been a good competition. It's been a problem for us because of the competition between uh, space launches, not the people but the time to get these rockets up and around. I mean, here we have this week, the SpaceX is going to launch a, a big deal launch for them with their new rocket, and uh, so we would get nobody from SpaceX here because they're, they're all engaged in that, and, and that's the problem. You know, with SpaceX alone launching over 50 uh, vehicles into, into orbit, uh, this year past, this past year, over 50, and the numbers are going up, that in 23 they'll be higher. And then we're going to have one or two new companies launching into orbit. I mean, this is going to, we're on the cusp of that whole thing breaking out commercial uh, traffic to space, you know, and it's not just selling a seat to some billionaire to take a ride. Uh, we're going to see people going up into space to do work, productive work in a vacuum and in, in, in no gravity arena. You know, years ago, I remember reading that a lot of the basic things that we take to be law or physical law down here are different up there, and one of which is oil and water. We've all grown up with oil and water doesn't mix. Guess what? They mix in space. Mm -hmm. Now, what's that do for all the chemical formulas that we've have that we've developed over a long time? Right? Maybe maybe they're going to change. Maybe there is a place where we mix oil and water with other things and make something that we can't make here on Earth. 
I don't know the answer to those, but that's the kind of thing that, that we're going to see in the very near future. And not and medicines, the other piece, you know. I read I read years ago where our astronauts that go up to space that they the bones that they lose, the bone mass that they lose, they also lose in their joints. Mm. What's that going to do for arthritis? People are crippled because arthritis swells their bone joints. If we can develop the process in space that prevents or shrinks that, what a difference that'll make for humanity. Well, so, I've got an idea for the competition. I think you need to get one of those uh, indoor skydiving <laughs> systems. You put it in here, and then you make these mechanics do work while they are floating in space and then judge them on how well they can turn a screw while they're floating in space in this simulated zero-g machine. I'd like, I think that'd be very cool. It, I, it would be cool for me to watch. I'm not doing it. <laughs> well, we already had you zero-g when you and I had yeah. the opportunity to fly with Bob Hoover. And uh, we put you in the back of the airplane, and we kind of did some parabolic pushovers. Yes. And I'll tell you what, it was very entertaining to watch John float around in space. Very entertaining. So. And it was fun, too. I yeah, enjoyed it. It was. Well, gentlemen, I know that you guys have to get back to the competition, but uh, uh, I think that, you know, for our audience, this is, if you're interested in the maintenance side of the house, not only in, in, in aircraft, but of course space, this is the place to be. With all of the vendors, I mean, I've walked around the, uh, the show hall now twice talking to people, and every time I talk to somebody, I learn something new about the smallest of part that goes into uh, into making aircraft fly. And so uh, I think that if any of our audience is interested, they should make it a point next year. Next year, the, the conference and the competitions in Chicago. In correct? Chicago, right. So not that that's the greatest place, but in April, it's a lot better than the wintertime. So, okay, <laughs> we'll keep it warm. Yeah, it's early April, so let's hope global warming is, in fact, <laughs> upon us. Because... <laughs> Uh, yeah. My experience with Chicago has never been warm. Yeah, but I think that that's the place to be next year. But for this competition, um, I know that you guys take a lot of pride in, in the work that you do. And, of course, I know that you being the, uh, the godfather, um, people really appreciate all of your time and effort that you put into this competition to have grown it to what it is today. So you should be applauded for that, my friend. And, uh, and I know with your hard work, and your contribution. I'm just a guy that gets to ask the questions and show up, but uh, I know that this means a lot, and, and it means a lot to me because a lot of the folks that I've got to meet from these various teams recognize me from the work that we've done together as, as safety professionals in the NTSB and in the industry, but they also appreciate the fact that we do this show and we try to bring things out, especially on the maintenance side of the house, that they learn from as far as lessons learned. So uh, I think, it, uh, I think this, this show is, uh, is very informative and I encourage everybody to, uh, to try and make it a point uh, to come out to Chicago next year and actually experience this and definitely watch the competition because it is very impressive when these teams get going <laughs> at full speed. Yes, it, it is. And in case you are interested next year, if you look at MRO Americas for the show, it's rather expensive to attend. 
However, if you look at the Aerospace Maintenance Skills Competition website and register there, it's reasonable. It costs nothing. Well, that's good. <laughs> so you can get in without paying, and you can see the entire show without paying some big numbers. And uh, we would encourage everybody to come. If you're a parent and you got some kids, you, you can bring them or come yourself to, to check it out. Uh, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. We, we work about nine months to get this thing going. We, we start in, in June. In fact, this year, we've already started. I mean, I've been out looking for support from the industry uh, to put this on. It's very expensive. And, uh, but we're there. The industry has risen to the challenge in helping us. And we're ready for next year. And we hope it's going to be bigger and better. Since we are together, which is a very rare occasion for the three of us, since uh, we're always looking at each other on a computer screen, I will still leave you with our second-to-last word. <laughs> well, one thing that impressed me about the maintenance profession, young or old, is that although we have a very sophisticated aviation system, very sophisticated aerospace system, computer this, AI that, one thing that cannot be replaced is the human element. The skills that the maintenance professionals have to have in order to do what they do. I can't perceive of any kind of computerized, AI-generated whatever that'll take the place of it. This is a future-proof sort of profession. In the next 10 to 15 years, there will still be airplanes and spacecraft. Then, next 10 to 15, next 30 or 40 years, there will be airplanes and spacecraft and people who need to take care of them. And the skills that these folks are developing now will hold true throughout their career. Great. And John? I will leave you with our last words. <laughs> and, and since I, I close always with the same theme, you know, we look at accidents all the time, and it, it's just painful to see them come back time and time and time again because pilots don't do a good job of pre-planning. Pilots fail to do a very good pre-flight inspection. And I'm telling you, if you don't think you have a good ability to do that, because you may not have the knowledge, go get a mechanic. They'll help you develop a good pre-flight for your airplane. And then after you get in the air with your airplane, put that head on a swivel, because virtually every time we dig down into the records to look for recent accidents, we find another near miss or, or collision between airplanes and, and uh, a number of things, not only just between airplanes. There's collisions on poles and airports, which amazes me sometimes. So please, please, put that head on a swivel, get around, and fly safely. Thank you for checking out our show. We really value our listeners and subscribers. Our podcast gets ranked by you and how much you like it. So please, give us five stars in your podcast platform. We want to keep in contact with you. We are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and of course, YouTube. You can email the show at flightsafetydetectives at gmail.com. By the way, if you're on YouTube, we're really working on growing the channel, and it helps if you all send in comments. Please do that, and we read all the comments. And be sure to subscribe. Remember, if you're in the market for aviation insurance, you can save 5% with Avemco just by mentioning our show. Visit them at www.avemco.com. That's it for this episode of the Flight Safety Detective. 
Until the next episode, fly safe.